Hello, everybody, and welcome to Water and Wine Time with Megan Weaver. Love, life, and entertainment. I have Carl Gilliard here, who's an actor, blogger, producer, director, and the artistic director for Faithful Central Church. He also is the owner and principal consultant for Gilliard Media Group. Very good, very accomplished, busy. You know, it seems like you have a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, there's some <laughs> things going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some and things. Just so you guys know, so it is water wine time. I'll just fill you into a little bit of what we were talking about before we actually got on the podcast. So it's water wine, but he has a green drink, a healthy green drink in a blue cup. You guys listening don't know it's a blue cup, but it's a blue cup. Stay healthy, you know, even if you do have wine. Mm-hmm. Have a green drink have in the green mix. Drink. That's Every it. now and then, throw in a green drink. Or drink the green drink before you drink the wine so the wine can have a full effect on oh. your body and on your system. Very good. From a very cellular place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we all know that a healthy glass is a red glass of wine a day is good. It's good. But you want to make sure you don't drink the bottle. Yes. Don't drink the bottle a day. And, don't do that. and have a glass of Patron after that. No. A glass? <laughs> <laughs> a shot glass. A shot glass. I was thinking not a whole a big, glass. No, I'm not talking about a huge bottle, you know, like I like was this thinking size. a bottle. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, is that how we roll? No, I don't roll. I'm just joking, you know. I don't, oh, I don't Lord. drink the tone or with my boys, and then I'm cornered, and I don't okay. disappoint them. Okay, okay. Yeah. I really, I mean, even though a, gla- a shot glass is still a glass, then right, that's right. okay. But, yeah, so you can have, you can still have a shot. A shot. A Patron every now and then. Yeah. Shot of fireballs. Shot of whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, but uh, I don't, you know, it's sometimes, you know, Jesus drank wine. I don't think he Jesus did. drank Patron, though. No. no. <laughs> no I, don't I, don't, think... I don't think he did. No, he didn't. I'm sure he didn't. I don't even know how far, well, obviously, they probably made some sort of alcohol back in the, but B.C., I mean, well, A.D. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, in that area. Yeah, yeah, in that vein, they probably had something, but I don't know. I wonder mm. what that kind of tastes like. Whatever alcohol they had during it's Jesus' probably day. nasty. Yeah. It's but probably, I bet the wine was good, though. The wine was probably really mm-hmm. good. Anyone yeah. could find out. I'm curious. What is wine back in Jesus' days? I bet it was good. It probably was fruitier. It was yeah. fermented. had like a little zip to it, a little zang to it. Like lemonade, but different. Yeah, but lemonade with the buzz. <laughs> lemonade, lemonade that gets you, get you Just right. Fruity. Just, Just fruity. <laughs> fruity, good tasting. Get your feeling right, lemonade. Yeah. Jesus yeah, lemonade. Yeah. That's a go. good that's a good Jesus lemonade. Jesus lemonade. Get high on the Lord. Yeah. Read his word, <laughs> drink some wine, and be good. Not just someone, feel good, but be better. But be better. Yes. Let's find that. Someone <laughs> find that. Let Carl know. Let me know. Mm-hmm. Let's get that. So let's go ahead and done. Delve right into it. You're doing something today too. Let's tell everybody that's listening on Periscope and on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Today is October, um, what's today's date? The 10th. And it's just because it's two days before my mom's birthday. That's oh, there we yeah. go. Happy early birthday, mom. Mm-hmm. So for those in the LA area, maybe this is an event that they can check out, that mm-hmm. they can attend. And for those watching on Periscope, let's let's fill them in and tell them what you're doing today. Uh, there is a film festival today uh, at the Los Angeles Film School on Sunset near Vine. Mm-hmm. And it's an all-day event. They're going to be showing films made by young people. I think they're high school age, maybe a little older. And uh, Bill Duke is uh, kind of I think he's like being honored there. And then, so as part of the panel, they do panels about filmmaking and all that. And so uh, one of the panels, which quite frankly, I don't know why I'm on it, but uh, it's about film finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, one of the things we do at the Duke Media Foundation is we teach young people uh, media and financial literacy. And uh, because of that, Sid Stewart, who is over um, this organization that's doing this event today, great lady, um, has partnered with the Duke Media Foundation and wanted us to come in and talk more about uh, finance. And that's how I ended up on the panel. It's, the panel is being chaired by uh, Karen A. Clark, who is a VP at City National Bank, and uh, three other people, mainly producers, are on that panel. Now, you know, I'm a producer, but uh, film finance and money is probably uh, the area that I need to grow and develop in a little more because raising money is, 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 is who is, is you know, anybody that's in the business is, is, is hard. But, you know, once you get that down, then, I mean, it's really, the sky's the limit. But anyway, I'm on that panel today, and it's going to be fun. Today at the L.A. Film School, it actually starts at 10 a.m. If you want to go down and check it out, they're down there right now. It's a red carpet right now. I think it starts at 10 o'clock, and I think the film screening started at uh, 11, and, and it goes on all day. L.A. Film School. 
And then they can find out information on that site about passes to their tickets. Or oh, you know what? Put in real to real, R E E L real, real to real film showcase. Uh, Google it. I'm sure it'll pop up. But as I said, Los Angeles Film School on Sunset, right across from the ArcLight. So it's a big, huge building. You can't miss it, and that's where they're at. It's Sunset mm-hmm. and Vine. Sunset and Vine. The mm-hmm. intersection, too. Yeah, Sunset so. and Vine, exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Nice. So when you're, you said that's not really your strong suit, is, you know, finding the financing. So when you're doing a project, do you hire someone on board, or do you kind of like, all right, I'm going to figure this out, mm-hmm. you know, when you're taking that producer hat? When I'm producing, uh, most of the time when I'm producing, I've got maybe seven or, or eight credits uh, as a producer. I tend to come on after the money is there to help build the team. So either um, I have a connection or relationship with the director or actors, uh, and they bring me on to help them build the team and create what they want for that particular project, and the money's already there. Mm, So that tends to be what I, that's like 99% of the time what I'm doing now at Faithful Central. That's kind of the same thing because uh, most of the things we do there are, you know, films, film sketches and live shows. And, of course, <clears throat> the church finances it or through their infrastructure, their embedded production infrastructure. They're able to pull off the things that we do. So, again, there, I'm not involved with raising money, but I'm involved in building the team and developing the content and all of that. And that's what I do really mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and talk about that as well, because you are the artistic director for Faithful Central. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that entail? What are your roles, your duties, and you know, what does that Entail. Well, it's, inter- it's interesting you bring that up because uh, there is an announcement that I just made uh, last week. I am stepping down from that position as mm. of the end of the year. And, but I've been been there for 10 years doing mm-hmm. that and, and actually started it. Um, I was asked to do that role uh, back in 2006. And it started off very small, and we're really blessed to see it grow. But what, what I did with that group primarily was it was uh, an actor's group, and we produced our own content. We did plays, and we developed uh, d- various different... Um, uh, entertainment or Christian faith-based entertainment, like uh, our most famous is Time to Laugh. We did uh, four of those, which was um, kind of like uh, Living. Not, I'm sorry, Living Single, uh, uh, Living Color. Yes, oh, okay. Living Color, mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live, but with a uh, faith-based and Christian uh, bent. We would take Bible stories and turn them on their ear. We would take church life, turn turn them on the ear. And we, what I love to do, what favorite thing for me was, was to take. Uh, characters at our church, choir directors, our actual pastor, <clears throat> and do parodies on them, put them mm. in different situations. And it was, I mean, you know, if you didn't go to the church, it might go over your head. But people who go there and would see them, it was it was hilarious. Wow. So we did a lot of those things. And so I didn't write. I wrote some of the things, but most of the things came out of, you know, kind of a, a, a writer's room scenario. And then someone would be tasked to, to write the idea. And we develop it and put it up. So a lot of them are on... Uh, FCBC Repertory TV on YouTube. FCBC Repertory TV. Uh, in fact, there is a sketch we did called um, uh, "Real wow, 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 Real Bible Wives of Bibli Hills," and that thing. Bibli Hills. Bibli Hills. That's funny. It's basically <laughs> it's basically uh, a takeoff on all the housewives shows. Yeah. And it's on YouTube right now, and it's kind of going viral right now, you know, on YouTube and on Facebook. So it's called Real Bible Wives of Bibli Hills. Say that five times fast. Real Bible Wives of Bibli Hills. Real Bible Hi- See, <laughs> Real Bible Wives of Bibli Hills. You can't. You I can't, can't do you Real can't. Bible Wives of Bibli Hills. Real Bible Wives of Bibli Hills. Real Bible Wives of Bibli Hills. Yeah. There, you, yeah. <laughs> I can do it. I'm like, there's an actor. You yeah, an actor I can in there. Do it. You just caught me off guard, man. <laughs> yes. I mean, Bibbly Hills. Real Bible Wiser, Bibbly Hills. Real Bible Wiser, Bibbly Hills. <laughs> I'm about to use that as like an acting warm up exercise mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to like remember that. So whenever I'm performing again, I'm like, right. okay, go back, mm-hmm. remember that. So then if I'm doing something like, Megan, what are you saying? Don't worry about it. It's my process. <laughs> I'm helping to articulate. Right. Yeah. Articulate like a... and enunciate. Yes, articulate and, and enunciate. enunciate. Clearly. 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 Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm stealing it. I'm stealing it. Say it. Real Bible Wives of Beverly Hills. Real Bible Wives of Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> See? I can't. I'm going to write it down. But real, the- real Housewives. Real Housewives 
of Bibbly Hills. No, real Bible real wives. Bi- See, See, okay, like real so Bible not, wives of Bibbly okay, Hills. Because it's, a, it's about wives of the Bible. Wives so of the we Bible. Have, we have Job's wife in it. Mm-hmm. We have Noah's wife in it. And we have Lot's wife in it. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of sitting around, you know, doing their whole, when they talk to, to each other. And then they yeah. have their own little confessional piece. So it's really, really funny. So check it Real out. Bible wives Real of Bib- Bible wives, wives of, of, of Bibbly Hills. Hills on YouTube at FCBC Repertory TV. Or if you just look it up on Facebook, you'll find it. FCBC Repertory Company on Facebook. That's even tongue twister. You got to say the whole thing five yeah, times. You got to say it slowly. Yeah, yeah you yeah, have to. Yeah. So everybody gets it clearly. Good, good. Because, mm-hmm. whew. Man, I'm, yeah, I'm listening to this. I'm writing that down. I'm stealing it. So, yes. Yeah, that's my acting warm-up. Yeah. So what, <clears throat> after we've articulated and warmed up the teeth, the tongue, the lips, I forgot the other one, isn't it? There's a longer one for that one, too. The diaphragm? No, that's not it. The breath, the, breath, the breathing? I don't the know. The air? But you know what I mean? It was like yeah, the yeah, teeth, exactly. the tongue, the lips, and, well, we all, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that one, too. But that's another acting warm-up. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so going back to your acting, so what do you want people to get from your acting when they're watching you and seeing you perform? What do you want viewers to get? From you. They bet I don't suck. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and they're like, he's not <laughs> He <bad."> really sucks. <laughs> um, no, um, what, I don't know. I just think, I think that at the end of the day, honesty and truthfulness mm-hmm. and transparency. So, you know, hopefully. Oh, yeah. I got a Roomba. That goes off at 10 o'clock. We're okay. going to shut that off real quick. Okay. A Roomba? Never mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, uh, uh, as an actor, what... What I want to convey is honesty and truthfulness and mm. transparency, being open to allow the character to live in truth. Mm. So whatever someone's watching me, I want them to say, oh, I believe that guy. Oh, my God. He's an awful guy if he is awful. Mm-hmm. Or he's a nice guy if he's a nice guy. Or if he's heroic, he's that. And they don't say he's acting heroic. He's acting awful. Mm. He is that. So that's what I Because there is a difference. Oh, there, there's, there's a, a difference. There's a big difference. When you watch, like, I want everyone to think about when they're watching someone, you know, acting or in a movie or in a show, there's there's something different than being the character right, right. and then acting like the character, mm-hmm. you know? And how is it that you get to that place when you're working on roles to make sure that you're, you know, actually mm-hmm. living the life right. as opposed to watching, like, externally mm-hmm. watching that character instead of being it? Well... I think a lot of it has to do, and we may touch on this later on, mm-hmm. with, with knowledge of yourself, who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, who you are. I think actors are kind of weird and strange in that, that every experience we have, experiences of joy, pain, uh, disparity, you know, whatever it is, darkness, that we actually say, oh my God. There have been times I've gone through the depths of despair, and I'll be in the middle of feeling it, and I'll go to myself, oh, my God, I'm a, I'm a store that. Let me just, where am I right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I think that's where you get it from. And, you know, I don't come from the school that, well, you know, kind of like the method actor school where you have to go into the depths of that person and live like that person, although I think that's helpful, you know, to do your research however you need to do it. But every single character that you can possibly play, there is some aspect of that character that already lives in you. Mm-hmm. you know, that you may not act on. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you have impulses as actors, as as people who are creative, we should be in touch with every impulse, even if it's something that we're pushed down and say, I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm going to say something that's really morbid right now, so don't think that I'm like, you know, crazy. But No judgment. No judgment. Yeah. Exactly. No which judgment. Is, which is a part of acting. Mm-hmm. No judgment. So, let's say I'm playing a murderer. There's got to be somebody in my life that I've wanted to kill. Of course, I didn't do it. And if you ask somebody, you know, have you ever wanted to kill somebody? No, I didn't. They're lying. Mm. They're lying to you. Okay? Either somebody who I wanted to kill or somebody who I wanted to see dead, which is an awful thought, but it's a thought that's part of humanity. Mm -hmm. So if I'm playing a role that I'm a killer, I have to say, okay, who have I wanted to kill? I mean, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, but, don't act on you it. Don't acting on it. Don't it's act. Not, it's, not, it's just, a, it's, it, you know, actors convey truth according to their natural human uh, journey. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what we do. 
that's what we do. Now, we don't act on the crazy things. And see, don't do it. And, and let me go back yeah. to that for a second because in my when I coach actors, and especially when I coach Christian actors, um, for me, to, center, to be centered and go back to my normal self, I use the word of God, I use praise songs, I use prayer to center back to my relationship with Jesus Christ to get me back to who I really am. But even though what I've played is a part of who I really am, I'm not a murderer, for example. You know what I'm saying? People in Periscope land? Mm -hmm. I'm not, yeah. Don't be sending the cops after me because that's not what I said here. Or don't you do it. Oh, and yeah. Then, yeah. And then blame it oh, on this podcast. On this podcast. Because no, that's not what we said. No. Mm -mm. I like being free. I got to get I got a <laughs> wedding. I got a plan. I got. Well, I'm just saying, it's, it's, yeah. it's and, and, but see, that's what makes us professional actors is that we're able to actually compartmentalize and use uh, uh, emotional aspects of our lives that we just, we, they kind of pass through us. Mm -hmm. They kind of pass through us, the thoughts, the feelings pass through us. Most people just squash it or whatever they do. We say, oh, that's interesting. And then we put it into a, a compartment. Oh, that's interesting. And put it into a compartment. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I do that. When I was going through my divorce two years ago, ooh-wee. I did some crying and some weight losing and some just just some just crazy thoughts about myself and other people that I would be in the moment and say, oh, my God, I'm going to use that. And I would compartmentalize it, but then still do what I needed to do to get through what I need to do so I can live my life. But I can now access all those things when I need them. But mm -hmm. That's a long answer. To no, I mean, it's true. I'm glad, yeah. you know, we you have to open it up and let people know specifically, mm -hmm. you know, what it is and how so they're not. How to get there and what right. their what your process right. is and how you go about doing that. Um, but this great, you know, I you know I'm a big fan of Yvonne the Tropic, but there's a, there's a lot of books and you know teachers out there that can help you do that. But mm -hmm. you need once you do that, you need help to know how to get to those places. And there's lots of processes that can do that for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, <coughs> getting there is going to be different for each person. Yes, absolutely. You know, and when you go to an acting coach or when you go or just in this business, a lot of people try to say you should be this way. Right. Or, you know, this is what you are. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's not who you are. When did you figure out exactly not to become what other people are telling you to be? Mm -hmm. And you know and became more self-aware of yourself and comfortable? Because I think a lot of people try to mm -hmm. be in this mold and don't know exactly who they are and get lost in the sauce. When did you say, this is me? Yeah, it is different for for everybody. For me, it's been kind of a constant evolution, you mm -hmm. know, in, in incremental over years. I think it probably started uh, when I was around forty, which is kind of late, but nonetheless. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm I feel like I'm like at a hundred percent. I know exactly <laughs> you know, who I but am, but there really is no hundred percent. So mm -hmm. let, so so let, let let's say you know I'm at you know ninety as opposed to when I was thirty five. I was at forty, you know. Um, but now I'm at a real high level. I mean, I tell my wife all the time, and she, she looks at me like this, and I'm like, you know how the dogs are the high dog whistle, like that tilt thing? Yeah, my dogs uh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I always say to her, I said, there's there's nothing that anyone can say to me, good or bad, that I don't already know mm. about me. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can tell me about something else that I don't already know, because there's lots to learn. But about me? Either I know it already or I'm about to learn it or it's like on the tip of my tongue or it's on some area of realization already. I'm coming into it. It's like nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, so your question was about how did I get to know? Well, it's really more yeah. about, it's, it's, it's really, it's really more about um, <clears throat> when I think it's incremental over time, every single day. Um, but I think uh, when I was at 40, when it became, it was when it became, became kind of a tipping point. And um, <clears throat> 50 was really big. I mean, when I turned 50, something happened to the point mm -hmm. where, where I just didn't care what you think. <laughs> you can tell me what you think and you can, you know, misrepresent or mischaracterize. And when people do that, see, this is what's great about knowing yourself, too, is when people project things to you that you know aren't true, it's about them. Yeah, I mean, you know it <laughs> because you know yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So, But you got to be honest. You so, do. for example, if somebody says to you, you know, Carl, you are, um, I don't know, are you, you, you are self-righteous. Mm -hmm. I can't be self-righteous. I can be self-righteous because I'm sure about what I'm sure about. And when I project it, you know, my personality projects it out and I can be self-righteous. So 
if someone says that, you know, I may not like hearing it. It may be a negative spin on my personality. But I'm like, okay, but it's true, right? Mm-hmm. So that I'm saying that these are negatives and positives, mm-hmm. right? So that just, right? <laughs> so when you are, you know, I'm in my late 50s now. So I, it's not much you can tell me, really. That's kind of the process. And so when you go into an, even an acting job for a role, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know about you, Megan, but are you right for every role you go up for? No. Yeah, exactly. No. You know, people say, well, I can, I'm an actor. I can do anything. Well, okay, uh, I guess you can. But I think even the best, I don't know, very few actors who can do anything. I mean, Meryl Streep might be one person who I think can do anything. Oh, yeah. But I wonder, does she say, is there anything I can't or, or wouldn't play or things that don't play to my strength? But I don't know. She's like one actor who I could say, I don't know what she can't do, but I don't know very many actors like that. Do you? Because, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's... I mean, I'm trying to think really outside the box. Like, I can't see her playing a midget clown, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, what, that's a physical thing, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a yeah. physical thing. But it's like, you know, those are things you got to think about. And I remember having a conversation with someone, and she was saying she... Her friend was putting herself in a box, saying that she couldn't play certain things because she didn't feel like it was in her wheelhouse. Right. But these were personality things. Right. You know, she's like, well, I can't be a bitch, you right. know, because that's not, like, that's just, or I can't play a ghetto, she's like a ghetto black girl. Right, right. But, and she was a white girl, I said, well, of course you can't play a ghetto black girl because unless you change your skin tone, you know, right, exactly. you can't do it. But do you... That's a physical thing. That's a physical thing. But, you know, you thing. bring up something that made me think about this because, um... You know, there are roles. I can do a wide range of roles. And one thing that I'm happy about with the roles that I've done is I've done, when I look at my work objectively, it's not the same thing. They're literally, they're different things I've done where I'm actually different. So I feel like I can do a lot of different things. But there's just some things that I just won't be able to do as well as maybe another actor. And I think especially in movies and films, you know, People get hired based upon who they are, their energy, mm-hmm. what they give off when they walk into a room and so forth. You walk into a room for an, a TV audition or a film audition, when you walk in, you give off something. You do. You know? So I think that for me, what I give off when I walk into a room is authority. So I walk into a room, you know, police captains, you know, bosses, you know, fathers, judges. Immediately, I'm in that ballpark and with somebody else who could do the same thing, just depends on what they want, you know, as opposed to maybe um, a softer male character. Mm. I walk in and I could play that, but there's guys who are going to be more suitable Mm -hmm. for that than me, even though I can play that. So I think that with film and television, and then you got to know that too about Mm -hmm. yourself. You know? I would say your voice too. Yeah, your well, voice is it. very, you know, commanding. You right. know, I don't say like, "Oh, I can walk all over him." Exactly. And then right. when you speak, it's like, "Ooh, no, <laughs> I, I thought so. I could." Then he yeah. opened his mouth, and I'm like, uh, no. "But it's what you give off." And yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying my wife, you know, can get away with anything. You know, I'm, you know, my voice may be deep, mm-hmm. but when she starts talking, it's like, "Okay, honey, I'll do it." Okay, okay. What do you need, honey? Some rice. Is that some rice? <laughs> like some rice? Like, what is it? Well, my voice kind of gets higher. Yeah. Anyways, anyway. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. It's like, what, rice? Out of all things. A random item in the kitchen. Want some more milk? <laughs> it happens. You know, what, yeah. you, what the wife needs, she needs. You know, whatever. That is so. hilarious. Now, going back, what is your project or a role that you are most proud of? Oh, gee. Because uh. I know it's probably, you know, plenty. But what do you feel? Oh, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's like and I don't, I have projects I'm not as proud of. Mm-hmm. That's, we're, we're going there next. Oh, we're no. Going I'm, not, I'm not going to even talk about those. That's not fair. <laughs> well, we won't, um, no, we won't talk about when well, we go uh, to but, those. We won't talk about, you know, details or whatever. But, but I... I'm proud of a lot of things I've done, you mm-hmm. know, for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, just different uh, things, uh, not necessarily always the finished product, but just because of the process of doing the role of researching the, the part or maybe something that happened with another actor or a crew there, you know, relationships. But I guess, you know, I, I think one of my favorite films that I was in, jeez, now I'm going to get in trouble because it's going to be something else that's coming up after this, might be The Mansfield 12. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is really kind of tied to what I just said is is because of the people that were there. The film was fun and different from 
anything I'd ever done. Mm. But, um, you know, Craig Ross Jr. is one of my most favorite people and one of my most favorite directors. Only a few directors who you say, you know, he says, I got it. You really believe him? <laughs> it's like when you said, yeah, he did get it. Um, yeah. And then the various actors, you know, Tony Todd and Aaron D. Spears and, you know, um, uh, uh, William L. Johnson and uh, Joe Torrey. And I'm going to leave somebody off. But, the, you know, uh, uh, Mike McCary and all these great people. And we hung in this trailer. It was, it was a low-budget film. So we all hung in the same trailer. And it was just, it was like a fraternity. We see mm. each other out. It's like, it just, it never stopped. We just all, we, it was like, it was like a frat. Mm. In fact, Tom Berry, who was not one of the Mansfield 12, he was actually a prison guard. I saw him at Zen last week. We, every time we see each other, it's like, hey, hey. Yeah. And we shot yeah. that film back in 2006. I had wow. hair. So it was, it, was, <laughs> it was like 2006. So the film I do like, and not many people have seen the film, but more than that, it was the experience of the film, you know, show Bedford, who was a producer and a very, very dear friend and Craig and all the wonderful crew and the actors on this thing. I mean, I guess I would say that's my favorite project, but that's not really about the work. It's you a process. Go, but yeah, so, so the work, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have one, but that's a good reason though. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I, it is that, you know, that makes it, you know, worth doing. Yeah. It's and just, you enjoyed and, and, it. And this, and it built something. It wasn't just building me as an artist and as an actor, but also the relationship and the friendships that came out of it, you know, just are just still mm-hmm. there and they're very present. In fact, on Periscope, I was watching Tony Todd on Periscope just last night. Mm-hmm. Tony Todd is doing a play about Jack Johnson at UCLA that I hope to catch. So if you guys like theater and you like Tony Todd, Tony Todd played Candyman. Say Candyman five times and you see him. What's that movie? Oh, anyway, yeah. he played Candyman. He was in Mansfield 12. So if you guys like theater, Tony Todd is one of the most powerful actors on the planet. Go check it out at UCLA. Mm. I think it opens last night, so tonight I think it's there. Still there. UCLA, one of the halls there. But Jack Johnson, look it up. Tony Todd. Mm. Sorry, Tony. I just plugged you. So, yeah. so just plugging him in. Plugging him. Tony Todd. 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 Candyman. 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 I know. Oh my God, yeah, we're done. Oh, see, at least it's during the daytime right now, so I feel yeah. like it's kind of safe. Yeah, but I got to go home, though. I got to go in my car, and it's going to be scary. I know, then you're going to leave me here with the candy man. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> be on the news. Like, here we have Megan Weaver and, fa- you know, everyone at the house. Candyman shows up. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't it come back no more. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's, it's a movie. It's a movie. Okay. <laughs> just double check. At least it's all on Periscope, so yeah, if anything yeah, goes yeah. down, you, you know, know to go after Candyman and Tony. You won't be on stage tonight because you'll be accused. Yeah, of hooking people. Yep, I'm blaming on Tony. Tony, it's your fault. <laughs> you brought the Candyman right here. Tony, don't do that. <laughs> take it back. You take it back. So How do you funny. reverse Candyman? Can you reverse it? Uh, Man Candy. Man Candy. Uh oh. I didn't say that. <laughs> it's not. It's not for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's funny. You checked yourself right after you said it. Do like Man Candy. No. Okay. Yeah. Mm-mm. We're not going to go in that direction. No. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. So um, it's funny because you mentioned something earlier. So you know we're going to go there. What? The worst project. Not even the worst, like, project that you, you know, ever did. But maybe the not so pleasurable experience. And then whatever it was, you don't have to give in, you know, names, specific people, and that person, how bad, you know, they got on your nerves. But what was the process that was a little bit more grueling and why and how did you handle it? Because that's always important to know. A lot of people, they get on something, they do a project, but you can still learn from it. I have those projects. Right, right, right. Oh, but no. I learned and I'm not, I don't regret doing them, do you but know I about learned the, you talk about it. the work of the finished work on TV or film or the process of how it was when we were working on a project? Which we have let's, do, let's do the process. Um, okay, I, you know, I've had, this is a long time ago, I had a play I did years and years and years ago that um, that I was actually very happy with the work. And then in the end, the work was really, really good, even from the director's standpoint. But the director and I fought a lot um, on this play. And she sought to replace me. And uh, there were other guys in the play who kind of stood with me and didn't allow that to happen. So it was kind of a tough, tumultuous experience. But the good news about that situation is two twofold. One is that by the end of the run, the, the director and I reconciled that she was happy with the work and um, there were just some miscommunications that I just wasn't getting that she needed from me. 
Uh, and then the, the second thing is that that director and I are very good friends to this day. Mm. So so that's good. I, I like to reconcile. I mean, you know, when I get in trouble with folks, I, I like to close the, close the circle. And um, so that's one. And then there was um, another. Well, going back to that, but how did you reconcile that? How did you take a situation that was tough? Yes. And to being, you know, she's saying to replace you. Yeah. How did you fix that? And I was a lead, too. It was like it was an ensemble piece, but I was kind of the decided lead, but it was an mm-hmm. ensemble play. Um, I just kind of pushed, pushed through it. I just, uh, and then I had the support of the other actors, which really helped, you know. So they, it created some, some tension, you know, especially during the actual run itself between the director and myself and the director and certain other, of the actors. But um, we just pushed through it. And the play was very successful. A lot of people saw it, came out to see it, and enjoyed it. And that helped, too. Sometimes mm-hmm. when you're doing a play, the, that immediate response mm-hmm. can really dispel you know, anything that you're going through. And I think that also in life in general, and I want to get too deep, but, you know, sometimes you're going through a tough situation, just push through it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You just push through it. I mean, if, if she had fired me from the play, then I'd be gone, and that would have been it, right? That would have been it. But, you know, um, I think that uh, I had some good favor there, and the work I was doing was good. I felt it was good. I enjoy- I mean, I enjoyed it, and uh, thought it was okay, good. And other folk agreed with that and stood with me. So, um, and then the person who was... Um, Doubling for me was we were double cast, but they were guaranteed certain number of performances. The gentleman, who was also a good friend of this day, who she was going to give my shows to, he refused to do the shows, which is unusual in Hollywood. That and this was a great role. So why did he refuse? Was he, it because, because he was standing with standing by you? Mm-hmm, yeah. So that you still okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great friend, great guy. So um, that happened. So this happened like. <laughs> A long time ago, though. We're talking... When you had hair? When I had... Oh, I had a lot... Not only did I have hair, I had good hair. You said, I had good <laughs> I had hair. Good hair. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's also about building relationships, too, because if you didn't have a good relationship with the mm-hmm. other guy that was playing your part, right. then he could have said, I don't know him like that, or right, like, right. we and ain't that cool. I did. I knew him. We... We knew each other from, we actually did an episode of Martin together. Hmm. So one of my early gigs was uh, TV gigs. I did an episode of Martin, and this particular actor was in that episode. That's when we first met. Got was it. on that show mm-hmm. back in like 94. Mm. So, yeah. Now, I know we were talking a little bit briefly before we started, so I said, let's make sure we get this in. Mm-hmm. And you had a moment early this morning. You said your mornings are normally when you mm-hmm. have your ideas and thoughts that come up for you. Now, it was about finding your dreams. Yes. Fighting for your dreams. Fighting for your mm-hmm. dreams, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what was that thought, and then what is that, would you like to share? Well, um, what we do is dreamy. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has dreams. And I believe that our dreams are, are infused and developed in us and placed in us by God. You know, the dream I have won't be the same dream that dude over here has. He mm-hmm. may want to be an engineer, want to be a doctor, want to be a dentist, wants to be an architect, whatever it is. I believe that that's part of a fingerprint. That's who we are that's at our at our core. Mm-hmm. Our dream is a very dreamy dream. You know, everybody at some point in time wanted to be an actor, you know, or work in the industry because it's so glamorous, right? Mm-hmm. Although what we do is not all that glamorous. Very true. <laughs> right, but, but it looks glamorous. So, but the people who actually walk in that, in this sphere of working in this industry, you got to have dreams. You got to fight for your dreams. So, when I look back on my career, uh, and I've got the battle scars to prove it, I had to fight for my dreams. And I think in today's day and age, not just in our business, but just in life in general, you hear people talk about dreams, talking about uh, purpose and all that. That's becoming a big deal, almost like a buzzword. And, but you got to fight for it. you got to mm-hmm. stand for it. you got to know who you are, know who God created in you, know what God created in you to do, and be willing to fight for it. And that includes, you know, putting back and pushing back people who might be in your life who are telling you that you should not be doing it. It means, you know, the rejection that's associated with it may look like you're not supposed to be doing it. it you know, the dark days when the bills aren't being paid the way you want them to be paid, and when you ain't got enough gas in your car or food to eat. If you know that God called you to do something, you got to fight. And fighting for your dreams means sacrifice. It means sacrificing things that you would not like to have, that you would normally have, but you can't have right now. Deferred gratification. It's a lot of different things that come into play that involves fighting for your dreams. Sometimes it's actually hitting something, not physically, but pushing people out of your life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people <clears throat> leave your life 
and leave kicking and screaming. But you got to fight. So that's what I mean by fighting for your mm-hmm. dreams. And it doesn't feel good all the time. But when you fight for your dreams and you win, then you have the testimony. You have a testimony because fighting is a test. You know, when, when you have a, a fight, you know, in the, in the ring or on the gridiron or wherever, it's a test to see, you know, what you're really made of. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by fighting for your dreams. Now, how important is it to have a good circle of people around you? Like your friends, you know, mm. your family members. Because, you know, your friends and family, they could be toxic, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to fighting for your dreams. Right, right. You know, so how important is that? And how do you go about navigating to push them out? Because some people have these people that they mm. need to release from. I've gotten better at that as I've gotten older. Um, how you navigate that, um, wow, this is a, that's a loaded question, man. Yeah. Because um, I think that, of course... Uh, the people who are around you are extraordinarily important, especially in this business. But also, if you're doing something that's hard, like if you're a doctor, you want to be a doctor or something like that, and you got to go to school for you know twelve years or whatever. You know, you can't have people around you saying, uh, "Why are you doing this school thing? Aren't you trying to go into school? Yeah, why do you want to be a doctor? I mean, you don't want that in your life. Get rid of them." You know, uh, there was a time when I would um, actually try to convince people, "No, no, this is what I'm supposed to do." In fact, no. Don't fight anybody who says to you, you can't do what God called you to do, and you know it already. Just politely excuse yourself <laughs> and let them go, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I think that if I were to look at anything that I've probably done that I might have uh, not done so well, is inviting into my life, into my intimate space, those who do not agree or who have the illusion that they agree but it's conditional. So, one thing about what you spoke of, sometimes people will, will have the imagery of supporting you, but it's because they're getting something from you they need. Mm-hmm. So, when that is up, they will begin to show their true belief in you. So, in terms of close relationships, I mean, best friends, hang buddies, you know, whoever you hang talk with all the time, who you share your most intimate secrets with, those people must be... Uh, unequivocally in your corner who you marry I don't have to even tell you it is important if you marry somebody who doesn't buy into your dream it's like telling it's like giving your dream a death sentence Mm -hmm. because you are in a covenant tied to that person and they are you so whether you believe in God's idea of marriage or not it doesn't matter what you believe because marriage forces you to become one so now you are joining your life and your spirit with someone who doesn't agree with what God told you to do with your life. That will kill you, metaphorically, and it will certainly uh, give a death sentence to your, your dream. But, you know, when God has called you to do something, it's funny, because <laughs> as it was the case with my last marriage, eventually they will excuse themselves. Mm-hmm. It's very painful, though. So for the men, I don't know who needs this. And I think it's a different thing. I don't want to, because this is kind of what I talk about with brothers in my circle who want to get married. Do not choose a woman who cannot help you with your dream. And women say, what about us? What about us? It doesn't, any man that loves you sacrificially will help you because he wants to see you at your best. He wants for you what you want for yourself. So it comes naturally for a man who loves you. Mm-hmm. To help you. For a man, though, a wife is your helper. <coughs> I'm somebody needs this. Mm-hmm. A wife is your helper. So I don't care how good she looks. I don't care what the sex is. I don't care how good she kisses you. I don't care what she wore last night at the party and how big her booty is. If she does not buy into your dream, she's good for the date, not good for your life. And that's what I would say about how important that is. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Good. And that's going to delve into the next one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it that you're able, and touched on it some, but let's just go and broaden mm-hmm. up a bit. How are you able to balance uh, a marriage in this business? In the entertainment business. I, I haven't. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, 
it, that is a, that is a process, and that you know kind of goes. I did touch on it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the way you navigate it is by simply choosing someone who agrees with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, that's how you navigate it. I mean, you know, I I'm married now. This mm-hmm. is my third marriage. I've been married for ten months, and I know it's uh, you know new and all that, but I don't see any any aspects of this happening with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no sign of it. There's no there's no condition where she's saying, you know, if you don't make it, then you got to do something else. There's not even an option in her mind about me not making it. That's not even crossed her mind. Mm-hmm. That's not even in her mind. That's not even, you know what I'm saying? She's in it to win it, but she's in it. So the so the process and the journey is important. So how do you navigate marriage in this business? Well, a lot of people choose to not be married in this business because it's so tough, and that's a good thing for them. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not. So, um, I mean, I'm grateful to have. I mean, I'm grateful to have a, a partner. Um, I'd rather have a partner, but you don't need a partner to do this. I mean, it's better to not have one <laughs> than to have one that's telling you, "Hey, you should quit." Yeah, I need to get work, out. You need to work at Target. <laughs> work at Target. Get a job. Get paid on the fifteenth and the thirtieth because what you're doing is not working. Mm-hmm. I need you to have a regular paycheck, consistent income. Net consistent. No. Mm-hmm. This is not a consistent income business, but when the income comes, it's consistent. Yeah, <laughs> it's big. You see, it's one of those kind of jobs that when you go to work, it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, and it's okay. Everybody has their thing. You know, some people go to work to get the paycheck. And that's cool. And that's what works for them. I've done that. Mm-hmm. I do it now. You know? However, I spent 15 or 16 years in corporate America, and the money was nice. I enjoyed the money. Sometimes I miss it. <laughs> like, you look back like, you oh, know, that was nice money. But I'd much rather, it's almost like what's behind door number three. Mm-hmm. I don't have to see what's behind the door. Just enjoy the journey and know that I'm in my purpose. That's just more important to me, mm-hmm. you know? So going back to your question about navigating marriage, it just depends on the choice. Mm-hmm. And you have all the power to make the choice for you. And that's what I did not do. I didn't, you know, just to go back on this. Yeah. I don't blame anybody else because I made the choice, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that as a man, I think that for us, it's really key for us to know who we are and where we're going in our lives. Because, quite frankly, you know, a woman will marry you for her own different reasons. It's not the same reasons as we marry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could say, you know, well, yeah, you know, I appreciate your love, and I know that you love me, and I know that you, you know, want to get married, but, uh, you, you, I, I, you know, you, you, you're not going to like me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you're it's, not going to like me. It's, 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 it's kind of our job to say, you know, I know me, and I see that I know you're well-intended, but... You're not gonna like me. <laughs> you, once we get in this thing, you're gonna want to switch it around because mm-hmm. of where you, who you are, mm-hmm. and that's our job, in my my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not being sexist. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. You're just self aware. <laughs> I'm self aware. You're self aware, and I understand that you know the beautiful synchronicity of men and women, and the strength of women and strength of men, and how God created something that when you, it's like you know. This is what you guys bring is what we bring, okay? This is what we bring is vision, self-awareness, who we are, mm-hmm. our vision. You don't bring somebody on who doesn't catch our vision because what's going to happen is, is she's gonna, she wants you to catch her vision. And then when that happens, if you do it, then she's not going to respect you because you're a man and you should have the vision. It's just one of those things that happens. like catch 22 for the brothers. So how you just kind of nip that in the bud is look for her to catch your vision because once she catches it and you guys join – you're going to love her and help her. You're going to do that. But we need your help. Mm-hmm. That's why you're there. You're there to help us. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of other things look good and, you know, stuff you do. Look good and, <laughs> you know, the other things you got to do. <laughs> yeah. But the, the core reason, at its core, at the middle of your hand, the core of that is to help us. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so, and these are things that you've also learned from the past. I I was like, because you got to learn. I learned that from the past. Mm -hmm. Costly lesson. (laughs) Costly. A lot. But it's what I got now to be able to give to the world, and we'll see what happens, Mm -hmm. what God does. Yeah. 
And you also have something that you're doing with your wife now, too. Mm-hmm. The videos. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, how did that come about? Well, that's hilarious. Well, I, um, funny, um, I, this is kind of a long story short. Uh, Twice Married Brother is kind of this, uh, this uh, moniker that I created on, on Facebook. And it came about uh, maybe five, six years ago when I was married uh, to the last wife out of frustration mm-hmm. that there was, it felt like to me, from my perspective, there was nothing that I could do to make her happy. There was just nothing. It's because I did what I told you earlier about the choices, right? Mm-hmm. So she was just always unhappy with me. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. She's unhappy and happy. And I'm, like, I'm just like, it was like, and so one day I got up, I was frustrated. And I wrote this this note. And I just called it Notes no from a Twice Married Brother. So that's how it started. <laughs> it literally started. And when I wrote that blog, it was extraordinarily popular. And my wife was really mad at first. But then she kind of came around. Um, anyway, so that's so how it In your current situation, my, your wife now. No, my wife, the last then one. Then was mad about because this. Because okay. it started with that with her. And I called it Notes from a Twice Married Brother. And I would write about relationships. I would write about the first one that was about not directly about her, but really what I was feeling was, you know, the frustration at trying to please someone who seemingly can't be pleased by you. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a situation and you're married, it's a, you're like you're in a corner. So I just had to write about it, and I did. That's how it started. So fast forward over the years, I would comment no pine under that name, Twice Married Brother. So that thing went away. The marriage went away. So when I married my current wife, Latanya, she, as I said, is always trying to push stuff that she sees in my strength. This is in my wheelhouse. And it's stuff that I know to do already. She's just like saying, hey, you should do it. It's like well, I haven't thought about it. She's already just telling me what I'm thinking already. Yeah. That's, that's why you know you have the right person. Because she's like always telling you things that you know already in you to do. Mm-hmm. So she wanted me to do um, uh, kind of video blogs talking about what I write about but using video. And I said, I don't want to do that. But I knew what to do. <laughs> yeah. So you, she's saying that stuff that you already know that you should be doing. Right. And she's like, can you do this now? Like, yeah. oh, dang, you're right. Yeah. And so the, other, the thing she's doing now is my book, which I'm writing now, which is a whole other thing. So, But she's pushing that now. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, um, I said, sure, but I want you to do it with me. And so that's how it started. It was literally her telling me to do it, but I wanted her to do it with me. And it's really funny. I, had a, I have a very good friend. I did do one by myself. I called it Mike Tyson. I didn't want. With it's called Mike, Mike Tyson. That's what it's about. But anyway, but it, I'll tell you what Mike Tyson, but Mike Tyson is a cool idea. I'll tell you what Mike Tyson's about in a minute. But um, uh, he even told me, this good buddy of mine, a really good friend of mine who I really trust his judgment, wanted me to not do it with her because he felt that I was stronger. Hmm. I said, no. I said, no. I said, she just compliments me, right? And she doesn't, you know. So it's really turned into a cool thing. So it started off as the Carl Chronicles because it was me, mm-hmm. but she was sitting there. But once we realized that I wanted her to stay there, then we changed the two conversations with Carl and Latanya. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started, and it's fun because um, she has a she's a life coach. She's a brilliant person. She just has a, she's an intuitive and she's an empathic person, and she can just really kind of see things and. So she helps a lot of women in particular hmm. with kind of finding themselves in that area of not just career and, and dreams and, and purpose, but, you know, how to be uh, a total feminine person using your feminine power in your relationships, hmm. which is something that is very valuable to women who don't have it because there's a lot of power there. And one thing I can tell you as a man is when you, like, give me masculine power, it's not going to work. It's like no, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think I'll be doing that today. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> but when you come at me with the whole, oh, it's like I will freaking rob a bank for you. I'm not rob a bank, but I'm gonna take care of it. He's gonna use that robbing a bank and a character. Yeah. And not really do it though. Yeah, but I've thought about it sometimes. Robbing a bank. I actually have thought about robbing banks. I've thought about stealing things that weren't mine. So when that comes up in a character, which is not. But it's in, there in your wheelhouse. It's, it's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Right? yeah. Don't really do it, though. Don't, 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 do it. don't do Listen, it. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't. You go to jail for that, and you might get killed. Yeah. And you know whatever role that you were actually doing that for? You're not going to be able to play it. Unless it's <laughs> in, the, in the prison play. In the prison play, you can do that. But um, 
Yeah, you, you, won't, you won't book that one. Yeah, you, you don't want to book that thing and have a real uh, moment of uh, method acting. Yeah, <laughs> like, method yes. acting. Let's be smart about your method acting. If you're going to do it, be mindful about how you're yeah. doing. You're an AK. I am an AK. I'm an alpha. I know that. Did you? Which, yeah. <clears throat> you saw my like, mug. I thought, yeah, I saw your mug. Right there. Yeah, there we go. Those guys. There we go. I don't have a mug. This is Alpha Phi Alpha, but I, I can. Oh, but I had my cufflinks. Oh, look at that. A Phi A, see? Can you see Let's that? see. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. <clears throat> Something's stuck in my throat. It sucks. I had a cold like a couple weeks ago, and it's still, it's done. My cold's mm. done, but it's like that remnants and still right. in my system. So it's like, sucks clearing out my throat. Mm. All right, there we go. I think I'm. That's why I have my tea. That's why you have tea, tea is always good. What kind of tea is that? Black tea. Black tea. Because black tea gives you energy too. It does. It does. Black. That's tea. my second cup. Yeah, because I told you I didn't sleep much. Really? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I usually drink like ginseng tea or some of the. Well, tea that's like good that too. When I have tea, sometimes I put my the ginseng tea inside my um, my green drink. The green drink. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very popular. We know green it. Drink. Yeah. We know it. Yeah. So, question for you. Um, <clears throat> let's go back in time. Let's go back. Back. How far? To childhood. Oh, Lord. Yes, childhood. Yes. When did you know <clears throat> that acting and entertainment was in your blood? Was it a kid? Or very, did you want to be something else when you very, were like... Very, very early. I mean, I'd say four or five. Really? But I didn't know... It's, it, I didn't know You didn't how. know what it was or how to go I, about I didn't doing know it. how. I, you know, I, I remember one story. I was maybe in second grade. Mm-hmm. And I've always <clears throat> been a very precarious... You know, precocious, I mean, kid. Mm-hmm. And um, talkative. So I was in second grade, and um, I got into trouble for talking, I think. So I was in the principal's Strangely office. Strangely enough, you're an actor, enough, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm in the principal's office, and her name was Mrs. Julestrom. Mm-hmm. I never forget Mrs. Julestrom. It was uh, uh, Kipling in Chicago on 93rd and Low. And I'm in the office, and Kipling is still there, by the way. So I'm in the office and uh, I'm talking. She's asked, I guess she asked me some questions. I'm just giving my whole thing about what why I was in trouble. And she's, she says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a lawyer. Mm. She says, no, you should be a comedian. I never forgot that. I, never, I mean, I was like six or seven. And, wow. um, and I used to go to the movies back in the day when you, know, when you could go to the movies as a kid by yourself. I was like six years old, seven years old. And every single Saturday... I would go to Evergreen Plaza in Chicago, and I see movies, um, James Bond films, uh, Jack Lemmon movies, and I would sit there in the theater and watch the same movie all day long. Hmm. I wouldn't even leave. It would be like the same exact the movie. same exact movie. So it started like two, so it'd be two and four and six. I sit and watch the movie over and over again. Wow! You know, studying or uh, just enjoying? just looking at it, just you know, just looking at it. <laughs> just, just staring at the screen. Yeah, just I mean, and, and then and then um, uh, the newspaper will come out, and I would grab the newspaper, and I would go to the movie section, and I would read all the movie ads, hmm. and I was like five or six, you know. So that was kind of like the beginning of it. But no one really encouraged me to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm at just I'm just saying I'm in Chicago. You know, I'm black. It's 1966, 67, whatever year it was when mm-hmm. growing up. And no one's saying to you, you know, hey, you should really go and be an actor. Yeah. It just wasn't happening. It's a different day and age. Yeah, it's a different yeah. time So, um, over years, and it wasn't, you know, what my family did. My family was traditional jobs, you know, government jobs, you know, pay a post office. You know, my mom was a, retired from the federal government, that kind of thing. So, uh, by the time I got to high school, um, I started becoming interested in radio and television, you know, reporting and that kind of thing, which seemed to be more like realistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in radio and TV in high school at Osborne High School in Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan, Osborne High School, Seven Mile and Hoover East Side. And Miss um, Clefman, who mm-hmm. was my radio TV teacher, um, got a friend of mine, Patrick Sacconi, who's in L.A. right now. Pat Sacconi does sound mm-hmm. mixing on motion pictures right now. Wow, He's nice. my high school buddy. Got him to talk me into auditioning for the high school play. Mm-hmm. So that was... 1975, I was a senior in high school, and that's where it started actually happening. Mm. 
where I was actually doing, and that was my first play. And then I dropped it, went to Michigan State, and was majoring in communications. And then I get recruited to do another play. Someone said, hey, man, you be doing this play. It was uh, Leroy Jones' um, play, um, uh, in Baraka. So it was a play called The Toilet. The Toilet. The Toilet, with a bunch of brothers. Mm -hmm. And I met some brothers doing that play who ment mentored me. They actually were cues, uh, Gary and Greg Gray. They put me in this play, and... Gary Gray began to mentor me as an actor, and he was so incredibly good. Mm. Just started, and I was not even in the theater department, and so I did more plays at Michigan State, and uh, then left Michigan State, got a corporate job, ended up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, auditioning for another play. Mm. Started doing theater in Kalamazoo. I did the four plays over a year's time in Kalamazoo, Michigan. That led to me coming to L.A., and uh, that's kind of my journey in a, in a nutshell. So it's like it's always been in. It's always it, it always, always kind of been there. It always knocks at my door. It's yeah. Like, I feel I always tell people that, and I know everybody's journey is different, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know. But for me, I feel like Al Pacino in Godfather Three. You like that is me. That's me. So they documented your every life. time I try to get out. They pull me back in, mm -hmm. and I've tried actually quitting in 1999. Um, I quit acting. I took a job at Variety as an account manager, and um, <laughs> I enjoyed that job a lot, let me tell you. I mean, I was traveling, I was going to the Tech Emmys, I was going to the uh, Cinematography Awards, Director, Directors Guild Awards, I was, it was a, a whole cool, I had been an actor before that, and now I'm in the room with all these cool people, right? Mm. What was great about that job, though, is I worked in production services and learned all about the tech things involving filmmaking, you know, technology, you know, digital filmmaking. All that was kind of kind of percolating at the time I was at the, at the, at the Variety. And, of course, in 2002, what happens? They fire me. Oh, <laughs> like, why? Oh, I, I was making long job. money. I was uh, around. I liked my job. Yeah. I mean, it was pressure, but I was used to that by that time. Yeah. I liked the job. So now... It's 2002, and I tried to find another job. I'm telling you, I couldn't find a job. Mm. So I said, I think I'll start acting again. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can't find work. I might as well go back to acting. Literally, it so makes sense. It makes sense. And um, since 2002, I kid you not, I mean, I stopped some years ago, um, but I could not find another job like what I'd done. So what I've done is, through the influence of my mentor and friend, Bill Duke, I... You know, I've been producing and consulting on projects much due to the my experience of variety because I understand technology and all these different things. Mm -hmm. And um, the rest is history. I think, you know, I just, you know, asked me earlier when I come to the knowledge of who, who I am, it's been incremental. I've been saying no, no, no. Well, now I don't say no anymore. You know, I wish I had stopped saying, trying to find a way out before. Mm -hmm. Where Would I be further along? I don't know. But I think this, everybody's journey is different. It's different. Right. Yeah, it's for so, a reason. It's for a reason. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's pretty much it. That's the long answer. No, it's good. Your man is going to be doing a lot of cutting on that answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you got work to do. You got work to do, buddy. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. Yes. But I do want to say for those that are listening and those that are watching, what are you currently working on now? Is there something, because I know you said you're stepping down from the yes. artistic yes. director. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is the next chapter for you? Oh, the next chapter for me uh, is to work on my producing projects I want to produce. I have projects there. Um, and I want to uh, ignite my acting career. I'm going to really work hard at um, doing that, getting back into class, doing theater where it makes sense, and then getting back on television. That is really mm -hmm. um, the big thing for me. And then I have projects I'm working on. I've got a movie uh, that I'm doing um, in October with a buddy of mine. Uh, some other friends. I mean, I think who's in this, this movie? Um, I heard that Robert Guillaume was in it. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that Gary Sturgis is in it. I think he's in it. Um, so it's gonna be having. I'm gonna have some fun with some brothers on that. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, there's a big event that I can't announce because it's not 100. percent It's like 99 percent mm -hmm. uh, that we'll be doing at Faithful Central in November. It's a big event uh, around entertainment and media. Got and, it. And also dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we can't talk about it yet. So yeah. I want to let people know where they can find you, social media, your website, so now they can stay up to date with that. So they can find out when it's time to release it. I am a bad guy. <laughs> I don't have a website. I used to, and I let it go. So don't tell 
really good. We won't tell them. Okay. But then but, social, uh, but media. social media. They can find um, you on yeah, social oh, media. Yeah. Unless you live in a cave, because yeah. nowadays you gotta be on social media. <laughs> yeah. So if you're like, I don't have anything, then I'm like, you need to get on social media. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a lot of places, but my name <laughs> Carl Gilliard, G I L L I A R D. I have a like page. My personal page is almost full. Like, uh, it's Carl R. Gilliard at Facebook. Twice married brother. Um, Built to Last, which is also known as Couple Couple Sanctuary. That's my wife and I. Built to Last Couple Sanctuary. But everything mostly is Carl Gilliard. So on Instagram, it's Carl Gilliard. But also on Instagram, is Twice Married Brother. And uh, Twitter, Carl Gilliard. And also Twice Married Brother. Cool. Oh, and the name of my company is Gilliard Media Group. Mm -hmm. You can also like that <laughs> on Facebook as well. Got it. Mm -hmm. So for those of you guys that are don't know mine, but I feel like if you're watching this and listening, you, you should. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to tell your friends and spread the word, it, on Instagram, it's Megan A. Weaver, M-E-G-A-N, the letter A, Weaver. And then on Facebook, my fan page, I am Megan Weaver. And Twitter and Periscope, Bacon Eatin' Megan. Bacon, just like the word, eating, no G, and Megan. So. Do you like bacon? I do like bacon. It, it, so that's really real. It's, it's like, real. <laughs> it's real. I'm going to tell you the story after because I know I've said it on here a lot of times. So right. I'll tell you the story about how I became about having bacon eating Megan. Right. So, yeah. Bacon okay. eating Megan. Bacon eating Megan. Bacon eating Megan. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. And like I said, if you have any questions that you want to ask for a future guest, feel free to do that on my fan page. You can message me on Instagram. You can DM. You can send any. There's so many ways. You know, I'm not putting my number out there, so... We're all connected. You, you're connected. I'm connected. So if you want to reach out, reach out. Please do. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching, and bye!